Our chapter for today is Hebrews chapter 11. This is one of the great chapters of the Bible, and it takes us on a guided tour through the rich history of the Old Testament, looking at the broad argument of the book as a whole, uh, and that the author is attempting to, to dissuade some who had professed faith in Christ or were considering professing faith in Christ from turning away from him to return to their old life in Judaism. The author presents this chapter as an illustration that all their descendants um, all, or all their ancestors in Judaism before them were always looking forward to the day that Christ would come. If, they were, if their ancestors were always looking for Christ to come and the salvation that he would bring, why would any Jew who was actually blessed to live in a day when those things had actually come and happened want to go back to those things that their ancestors were trying to leave? <laughs> Everything was always moving forward to Christ. He has now come, so hold on to him. That's the, that's the point of this chapter. Let's take a closer look at a couple of things in it. First of all, faith is assurance. This chapter opens with a classic statement on biblical faith. Of course, the entire chapter is filled with examples of biblical faith and those who lived by biblical faith, but this opening statement is a great definition or explanation of what it actually is. We read in verse 1, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, there are two words that uh, might surprise someone in a statement on faith, and that is assurance and conviction. Biblical faith is a more certain thing than people think often in their conception of what faith is. Faith is not a wishy-washy hope or wish that something is true. It's an assured conviction in the, in the biblical truth. It's not something that we can conjure up ourselves, but something that the Holy Spirit sovereignly gives us. Therefore, when faith is lacking or faith is weak, pray and ask the Lord and he will grant it. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit works through the scriptures. So don't ask the Lord generically to give you faith, but get in the word. And as you read, ask the Lord to give you assured conviction in what you read. We believe specific truths. We believe specific promises. We learn of things hoped for in the Word. And as we read and think on those things, the Holy Spirit works in us to bring assurance and conviction of those things, which we call faith. Well, secondly, talk about pleasing God and drawing near to Him. The vital importance of faith is clearly illustrated in verse 6. There he says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, there are several things you could say in examination of each of those phrases, but I just want to make a quick point about the overall claim of the verse, namely that without faith it is impossible to please God. Why? Why is coming to God in faith necessary in order to please him? Here's one reason. God created us to glorify him, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And coming to him in faith and trusting him for all things brings him glory. Let me point out another verse in Scripture elsewhere to illustrate the attitude with which we ought to come to the Lord daily in order to glorify him through faith. Consider what we read in Psalm 116, verses 12 and 13. Psalm 116 Verses 12 and 13. In verse 12, the psalmist asks this question. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Think about that question. What shall I render to the Lord? What shall I, what shall I give back to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? 
Well, the Lord, in other words, has done so much for me. What should I do for him in return? Should I do this or should I do that? What should I do? Here's the answer he gives in verse 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Now that's an interesting and noteworthy answer. In view of the fact that the Lord has done so much for my benefit, the psalmist says, my response will be to lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? Simply this, what shall I do for all he's done for me? I will lift my hands and ask him to do it again. This is there, There's nothing we can return to the Lord for all he's done except to lift our hands in trusting faith that he will do it again. And that pleases God because it glorifies him as the giver of all that we need and all that is good. This kind of faith glorifies God because it freely admits that we are insufficient in ourselves and that God is all-sufficient for us and for everything that we could, uh, could or will ever need. My final thought about this overall chapter comes from the general tenor of the chapter as a whole. The whole chapter revolves around Old Testament saints who were commended for their faith, and, and almost in every case that faith was always looking forward to what God was going to do in the future. And we could learn a lesson from them in this regard. We often walk through life with blinders on, and all we see is what's right in front of us. But we would certainly see those same things differently if we would think deeply about and set our daily hope on those glorious things that God has still to reveal to us. This, this isn't all that there is. There's more to come, and we should live like we believe that. Those are just a few thoughts from Hebrews 11.